Tonight we begin with covenant love and the laws of covenant. There is an ancient knowledge that in fact helps us understand the mystery of marriage and the complexities of it, and it's found in the laws of covenant. These are very basic principles. I'm not going to teach you how to win an argument. I'm going to be teaching you the principles of covenant love. And if we would follow the principles, all the little foxes that spoil the vines will be exterminated. (laughs) You'll still have to put up with them, but you'll know how to fight them together. And so our main goal is to learn these laws. And so the first law that we're learning tonight is law number one. This is the first principle of covenant. The two shall become one. Let me take you into the basic understanding of the differences of a covenant and a contract. So the concept is marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. Let's take a look at the difference between a covenant and a contract, all right? A contract is based on distrust. It's the reason you enter into a contract. Two people want to accomplish something but they don't trust each other enough, so they make a contract so that they can follow the agreement. Because basically, I don't trust you. Right? And that's the concept of a contract. But with a covenant, a covenant is based on complete trust. Absolute trust. To the point where you say, all that is mine has become yours. And all that is yours has become mine. And so that is the first essential concept between the difference of contract and covenant. Contract is based on distrust. Covenant is based on complete trust. So if there are trust issues in your marriage, you need to move into a covenant realm and begin to heal any distrust. Because what you want to do is abandon yourself to be completely Believing in your partner and your partner in you. A contract is this, based on limited liability. So you enter into a contract based on limited liability. What does liability mean? Uh, I want to get the least amount of damage. So uh, in a contract, I'm going to put together what the restrictions are so I'm not going to get hurt. So it's limited liability that we enter a contract with. But a covenant is based on unlimited responsibility. When I enter into covenant with my wife, I am responsible completely for everything in her life, and she's responsible for everything in my life. It's a complete surrender to the other person. Instead of withholding so that you don't get hurt, And so there are many times in marriage people are withholding because they're afraid of the liability you've been hurt before. If you're entering into a second marriage, sometimes you're so wounded that you're holding back. Might have been what you were brought up, the family, the dysfunction you saw in your mother and father, and you're holding back because you want limited liability. That's a problem because you need to have full responsibility of giving your life to the other person. Or they're not even going to know who they're married to. All right? Last of all, 
A contract is broken individually. One person can break a contract, right? You could both be trying to make that agreement, but one person, an individual, can break a contract between two people. But a covenant is binding as one. The goal of a covenant is binding unto death. Now, do covenants get broken by individuals? Yeah, they do. But God wants to minister and restore and heal so that that covenant stays intact. That's what God can provide. So what the difference is between a contract and a covenant, let me show you the math. The math of a contract is one plus one equals two. A contract always identifies two parties. A contract always says this party in agreement with that party. Contracts keep people as individuals, though they're in agreement. But a covenant math is this. One plus one equals one. That's covenant math. And that's the difference. A covenant means the two shall become one. And so how does that happen? So let's try to figure out how a covenant is defined. Covenant is always entered through death and resurrection. Death and new life. Death and new life. As I teach you tonight about covenant, your understanding is going to open up and unveil much of the Bible. A great portion of the Bible is based on covenant thinking and ideology. The more you understand covenant principles, you're going to start seeing the Bible unfold in front of you. So the reason covenant is defined by death and resurrection is because of these two basic principles. The death is to the old identity. So the old identity is this. A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. The identity of a son in Hebrew thinking is he's leaving his mother and father. He is no longer listening to their directives. He is now becoming his own family. So a man shall leave his mother and father and move into his own identity and the wife is given to the man by the father. And so typically in a covenant, she takes on a new name and there's a new identity. So covenant means death to the old and a new identity. Does this sound familiar to you? In fact, let me give you a Bible quote. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. This is covenant language. So the concept is this. Before I married my wife, I was Tim Tyler, son of Alfred and Marjorie. But I married her, entered into covenant with her, and I'm no longer the Tim Tyler of before. I am now Tim and Lisa Tyler. I have a new identity. My old identity is gone. And so now I no longer make decisions based on my self-interest. I make decisions based on our interest, where the two become one. Every decision I make. Remember, what's the first law of covenant? The two shall become one. So everything in a marriage is based on that covenant law. So everything that I owned is no longer mine, it's ours. 
How I make a decision is no longer individually my own, it's ours. So, how do you make a covenant? There are three essentials in the Bible as to how covenants were made. These three elements are essential in making covenant. Number one, there is a word or a promise that is spoken. Number two, there is a sign given for that covenant. Number three, there is the act of cutting covenant. Let me help you understand this. Let's say there's two tribes of people living in in an area bordering on a river. And each tribe is growing and increasing and increasing, and now they're running out of territory. Each tribe, there's the red tribe, okay, and then there's the blue tribe. And in ancient Israel, you've got the two tribes growing together and increasing. Each of them has their own laws, their own uh, uh, you know, mottos, their own leaders, different government and authorities. And then as they're growing, they realize we are either going to go to war or we need to merge and become one tribe. So what they would do is they would make covenant. And so in making covenant, they would select two leaders to come together, all right? So the, the red tribe is going to bring the best of their laws and ideas together, and the blue tribe's going to bring the best of their laws and ideas together, and they're going to come up with a new law and a new identity. There's going to be a sign that they're going to have. They're no longer going to be the red tribe. They're no longer going to be the blue tribe. They decided they're going to be the purple tribe. All right? And so they come together, and then in an act of entering covenant, there must be the death of the red tribe. There must be the death of the blue tribe. What do we do? Kill everyone? No. We cut covenant. And so what they would do is they would cut the animals in half, a cow, a heifer, a lamb, whatever, cut it right in half, separate the two sides so that there was a trail in the middle. And the representatives would walk through the center in making covenant, making their promise together and their covenant sign together. And by that blood, it was the death of who they were, and it is now the resurrection life as they come through that animal. They have a new identity as the purple tribe. It's absolutely essential that the red tribe no longer follows the red leaders and the red laws because there are new laws and new leaders. Many marriages don't follow this. Many times there are people who, yeah, I got married, but I'm still going to do what I do. And I'll never forget the, the one guy that was a softball fanatic. He, he played on, in the summers, he played on four softball teams. He got married. He expected to still play on four softball teams four nights a week. This caused a little problem in the marriage. But he thought he could continue living as the individual he was. But there's a death to the old life that we must understand we're entering into. And so the patterns and behaviors, how many of you know, you had to learn new patterns and behavior. Some of you squeezed toothpaste from the middle and you had to learn to do it a different way. It cracked me up some of the differences my wife and I had, right? I learned quick that I'm supposed to close drawers all the way. (laughs) Who'd have thought? But these are important things to 
And how many of you know it's always these small little details? But making covenant is essential that it is always a death to the old way because you are now being identified in a new person. And this is biblical. Look at Jeremiah 34, 18. And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. He's describing covenant. That they were supposed to put death to the old and they killed the calf separated and they were to walk a new identity with God through the blood and the death of what they were now into a new one. And he said, but they're not keeping that covenant. And so just as that calf was cut away, I'll cut them out too. Now, one of the most beautiful illustrations of this concept of cutting covenant is found with Abraham, Genesis 15. And he brought him all these, Abraham brought the animals, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. So what was supposed to happen in traditional covenant cutting is that to declare death to the old identity, they were to cut the animals. There was a trench in the middle. As they cut the animals, laid the halves apart, it was showing the death to the old identity and the newness of the identity. Remember, Abram was Abram. Once God made covenant with him, he had a new name. Abraham, a new identity. All right? And as he would walk through that aisle, his feet walked through the blood. And it was a blood covenant representing life and death. And now the life is in the new identity. And so God made covenant with Abraham so that the seed would come and bless the nations. But I'm using this as an illustration for cutting covenant. So the first law of covenant is what? Two shall become one. And it is entered through death and new life, resurrection. So let's just keep driving that home. Those three elements, a word or a promise is given, a sign is given, and the cutting of covenant. Let's look at this guy. How about Noah? Can you identify the word that God gave Noah entering into a new covenant relationship after the flood? What was the promise God gave in this covenant? But he said, I'll never destroy the world again by water. Now, what was the covenant sign? Rainbow. And then what was the cutting of covenant? He sacrificed the clean animals. How many of you remember, on the count of animals that were in the ark, he put extra animals on there that were clean for sacrifice? Because he made covenant. And what was it the death of? The death of the old world. It's gone. All right? Let me drive the point home. How about Abraham? And does anybody remember the promise of that covenant that he made with Abraham? Yeah, I, I will bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. I make you a blessing to all people and all nations. And your seed shall be as many as the stars of the sky or the sand on the shore. Right? That's his blessing. How many of you remember the covenant sign? What was that? Circumcision. So what was the cutting? Right. The circumcision was the blood, the cutting. And so he's cutting away 
his infertility, his inability, and cutting away and a new identity, he's going to have a child. He's going to have a, a seed and bless the world, right? And so there's the covenant. Again, word, sign, and cutting of covenant. Moses, what was the promise to Moses and the children of Israel? I will be your God and you will be my people. There's the promise. Now, what is the covenant sign to Israel? Sabbath. Many people don't realize that. That's why the Sabbath is so important to the Jews. Because God said in the Old Testament, I will make a sign with you that you are my people. You shall keep the seventh day holy. All other nations will know that you are my people because you keep Sabbath. Now, what was the cutting? So the cutting of covenant there was he brought animals. When you read the description of what took place, he brought lambs and he brought bulls and they cut them, sacrificed them, and he sprinkled the people with the blood and declared the promise. Word, sign, and cutting of covenant. How about Jesus? What was Jesus' word? What was his covenant promise? I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Okay? What is the covenant sign? Could be the bread and the wine, his blood and body. And what was the cutting of covenant? Him. His body was the cutting of covenant. Now, consider these things. It's continually throughout the Old Testament, and that is what making a covenant is. There is a vow given. Now, the word for covenant is berith in Hebrew. Berith. And the word for berith in Hebrew means to cut up the middle. That's what they did every time they would sacrifice making covenant. They would cut up the middle and separate the death of the old walking through into the new identity. Abraham, Noah walked out of the old world into a new world that God made covenant with. Abraham walked out of the Ur of the Chaldees from his father into a new identity, no longer being a polytheist, but now being a monotheist and knowing the true God, and that all the nations would be blessed through that understanding. And then Moses with Israel was incubated as a family, came out as a nation, and God said, you'll be my nation of priests, you'll be a light to this world, Messiah will come through you, you have a new identity, you're no longer slaves, but you are now a chosen people. And that's the new identity, death to the old, life to the new. Jesus came as a fulfillment to every one of them and said that as his promise is, salvation is for all. And it's death of being in Adam, and now it's new life in being in Christ. And you have a new identity in Christ. And so when there is the making of a covenant as marriage, we walk through the same principles. How many of you know when you come to a marriage, when you met at the door with the ushers, they ask a question. What do they ask you? Which side are you on? Friend of the bride, friend of the groom. Family of the bride, family of the groom. Why? It's based on covenant. There is a middle aisle and both families from which they came are cut in two and they are walking through their family identity to leave the family and form a new family identity as one. 
And so that's the reason they walk down an aisle. They walk down an aisle, they go forward to a preacher, and they exchange what? Vows. Promises. And these promises, as they're entering into covenant, declare the terms of the covenant. That's why this is not a contract. Because the terms of this covenant go as far as their love is going to reach. And what are the common terms of a marriage covenant? I promise to love you for what? Richer or poorer, right? In sickness and in health. Here's the best one. For better or for worse. Wow. Those are extreme promises, wouldn't you agree? Right? I'm, I promise to love you if you're pretty or ugly, if you're fat or thin, if you're nice or angry. I'm going to love you. I mean, that's the point. And so the vows are spoken before God. Did everybody get that? This is solemn. This is sacred. It's really unfortunate that, that people don't understand the holiness of making covenant. Most people get married as a contract. They don't understand it. This is two people saying to God, here is my covenant between my mate and you, God. So the vows are spoken as they're going through the center of the people. And then there is the sign given. What is the covenant sign? The rings. In our culture, it's rings. In other cultures, it can be other things. But this is a covenant sign that says, I'm in covenant with someone else. You can't have me. I belong to someone else. Now, whose ring am I wearing? I'm wearing the ring my wife gave me. So I am remembering the vows she spoke to me. She's wearing the vows I spoke to to her so that this reminds me to stay faithful to the vows that she spoke to me i'm carrying the vows that she spoke to me and so i need every decision i make every choice i make every action i do every word i speak i'm saying it in faithfulness to the vows my wife gave me i'm always remembering her vows to me she's remembering my vows to her does that make sense to you? So we're just missing the third aspect. We've got the word. We've got the sign. Now we need the cutting of covenant. So what is the cutting of covenant? And the common answer is the cake. You go to the wedding ceremony, and what do you do? You cut the cake. <laughs> but that is not the cutting of cake. Let me help you understand what the cutting of covenant is in making the covenant. Now we're, we're, in a, we're adults here. You can handle this. Let me take you to Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 13 to 18. Begin to peel back the mystery of this. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and then hates her and accuses her of misconduct and brings a bad name upon her, saying... I took this woman, and when I came near her, I did not find in her evidence of virginity. Then the father of the young woman and her mother shall take and bring out the evidence of her virginity 
to the elders of the city gate. The father of the young woman shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man to marry, and he hates her. And behold, he's accused her of misconduct, saying, I did not find in your daughter evidence of virginity. And yet, this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloak before the elders of the city, and the elders of the city will take the man out and whip him. What just happened? Let me explain to you what happened and what the cutting of covenant is. In a Hebrew wedding, in an Old Testament marriage, the vows were spoken, the gift was given, the covenant sign was given, and then at the marriage ceremony, once the vows were given and the gifts were given, the symbol was given, everybody waited by, while the bride and the bridegroom went into a private room and had sex. They waited while they had sexual intercourse because that was the consummation or the cutting of covenant. Once they had finished, what typically happened because the young woman was a virgin, in a smaller group I'd get into more detail, I won't get into much detail here on the anatomy of a woman, but typically by the penetration of the man for a first time and everything was intact, then there would be a droplet of blood. And that would be on the sheet. After they had sexual intercourse or cut covenant, when they were done, they would then bring the sheet out and they would hold it up for everyone to see that this covenant was consummated. And everybody would what? Yay! Yay! Cheer! Celebrate! This is a marriage. And then mom and dad got to take home the bed sheets. Instead of putting the top of the cake in your freezer, <laughs> you have to understand the sanctity of this thing, the holiness of this thing. This is what sex was designed for, cutting covenant. And so in this act, when the man said, hey, my wife wasn't a virgin, they come forth with the evidence that she was. And this guy is trying to give her a bad reputation. And so they had the evidence. Now, what that means is that the cutting of covenant is the two literally becoming one. That's why God designed male and female the way he did. A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife and they shall become one flesh. The act of sexual intercourse is a gift of God given to the two so that they understand the first principle of covenant. The two shall become one. And in that same covenant relationship and covenant act, their physical bodies become one so that they will always remember that their souls are to become one. Their emotions are to become one. Their decisions are to become one. 
Their joys are one. Their sorrows are one. Everything in their life is as one. And God gave this. It's like the reset button on a marriage. And he made it pleasurable so that they would revisit it and remember always that the purpose of their marriage is that they would become what? One. That if anything would disrupt and interfere with their oneness, just the physical act of having sexual intimacy brought them back as a reset button to what their identity is. The two shall become one. So sex is the act of cutting covenant for marriage. Sex was ordained for the entrance of marriage and to be within marriage. So what is sex outside of marriage? It's called fornication. And fornication is sin. So if someone is sleeping with someone else before the word and the vow and the covenant sign, they are not committed in covenant to the person they're sleeping with. Therefore, they are violating the sacredness of the covenant act of sex. Now, what is the one thing God says will break covenant? Adultery. Why? You're cutting covenant with someone else when you are in covenant with someone. Does this make sense to you now? Do you see the design? And so we need to instruct our children that sex is a wonderful and beautiful thing designed with someone you are entering covenant with for marriage for life. Before that, it is sin because it's violating. You're marrying your soul to someone that you are not connected with. And in a marriage, if there is adultery, can God restore? Yes, but it does a great deal of damage. And it is the lawful thing that God will in fact say, yes, you're permitted to divorce because they made covenant with someone else. In fact, you can annul a marriage. What is the one reason a marriage may be annulled? It was never consummated. So the cutting of covenant was never made. And so it can be annulled. So what is covenant love? Covenant love is not based on emotion. Most of the world defines love by how we feel about each other. There are many people who no longer feel love for their mate. And they feel that that's an excuse to leave. Biblical love does not talk about whether you feel like it. In fact, Jesus says this, I tell you, you are to love your enemy. Where are your emotions on that one? I mean, just basically in the definition, my enemy, emotionally, I'm not liking them. You see, emotional love is conditional. Covenant love is unconditional. Covenant love is based not on emotion, but based on commitment. Now, let me help you understand how freeing that is in a marriage. There are times that I drive my wife crazy. And she may not emotionally like me. But it doesn't destroy our marriage. 
We can be upset with each other, but it doesn't even affect our love for each other. But if your marriage is based on an emotional content, of course emotions are there. But if the whole bedrock of your marriage is based on emotion, man, you're going for the ride of your life. But if my love is based on a commitment by a covenant vow I made before God for that woman or for the man, then we can, in fact, have the liberty of not liking each other from time to time. But our love commitment is still there. I don't have to fear that she's going to walk out on me. And there are many who do. In fact, what we say is, as God said to Israel, Deuteronomy 31, and as Jesus said to us as a people in Hebrew 13, it's the deepest commitment you can make. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so that is covenant love. Covenant love is commitment. Does this make sense to you? And so what I want you to fully comprehend is the first law of covenant. The first law of covenant is the two shall become one. 